Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, an abbreviated episode 147. This is Dave. This is Barry. Uh, this week, we're going to do a very cut-to-the-chase kind of episode. Uh, we're going to be taking this weekend off as well, but we wanted to make sure we got something out here at the last minute. I think we talked about this about 10 minutes ago. Hey, let's talk, <laughs> let's get something out there. Right. Uh, so, I, is there much that you want to talk about that you watched over the past week or so before we get into this stuff? Uh, there's a couple I could bring up. Um, I saw Carlos, which is a great film. It's... It, look, it's five and a half hours long, okay? And I, 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 on one hand, look, it doesn't need to be that long, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But yeah. on the other hand, I don't want to discourage anyone from seeing this film because it does have an incredible performance from Edgar Ramirez as Carlos the Jackal, the famous terrorist who basically terrorized the world back in the 1970s. The movie covers about three decades, and Edgar Ramirez ages believably and brilliantly throughout the course of the movie. It's an amazing performance, great film. It does feel kind of like a companion piece to Steven Soderbergh's Che, but it's it's a much better film, I think. It moves a lot better. Even at five and a half hours, it, it's definitely worth seeing. So I highly recommend Carlos. Um, and then uh-huh. I saw Toby Hooper's The Fun House, which is the movie he did in between The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist. Really good, I thought. Really underrated movie. It's actually not that violent, even though it is kind of a remake in, in, a, in sorts uh, to The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I like The Fun House. It's got a great musical score. got some amazing crane shots, really beautifully made. Great atmosphere, very spooky story. Just a real fun 80s horror movie that made me really nostalgic so nice and uh i I guess that's it for now okay um i'm trying to think most of the stuff i watched has been not much actually the more i think about it i i ain't watched squat because starfest was going on and i didn't get much time i mean i I, we the one fun thing uh mark smith our listener from flew out from spokane and had a great time with him we'll get to that in a minute but we did watch the room during starfest and he and i were the only ones in the room of about 10 people who had seen it and that's a magical experience Seems that film, not only with a group, but with a group of people who have never seen it, it's just, it's wonderful. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It really does. For like the next, like three hours, and actually for most of Sunday, everyone's like, oh, hi, Denny. You know, stuff like that. It was gloriously wonderful amounts of fun. Um, Okay, well, then let's go ahead and just talk about... Uh, we'll talk about that other movie once we talk yeah. about this week's releases. So sure. what, what what came out this past Friday? This past Friday, all we had was Rio in 3D and the long-awaited, <laughs> you laugh every time I say that, Scream 4. Did, you, did you, you weren't waiting for this were no. you? you could care did less. you see the third movie i'm just saying <laughs> i was excited just because you know it's craven going back to his roots it's kind of like if craven decided to do like another freddy krueger movie i would be curious to see what that looks like all these years you know yeah but the last freddy krueger movie was interesting interesting at, at the bare minimum it was interesting last nightmare new nightmare i mean Oh, talking about that. Oh, I thought you meant the remake with Jackie Earl Haley. No, 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 no. The last one that, that Craven oh, the last made. One that he did. Yes, yeah. exactly. Brilliant. One of my favorites. So no, I totally agree with you. And I, I would be curious to see what he would would do if he were to do, do that today. So the, for me, that was Scream Four was kind of like that. Like, what's he got up his sleeve? Do, do, is there like a story or a twist that Kevin Williamson and he have just been conspiring to do for years? And you see the movie and you go, Oh no, not really. No, not no, at all. No. I the one thing that this movie upset me about was I've had a theory and I told you about it before I watched it. That I think you can make an argument for the three, first three films that Dewey is the mastermind behind the killings. And that kind of got blown to smithereens with this movie because he's just a maroon. Yeah, and, and, I, and I agree with you, Dave. Like when I saw the third one, I was hoping that the twist was that Sydney was the killer in all three films. And I was hoping that the fourth one would do something that crazy and radical that we'd have to, you know, we'd feel compelled to watch all three movies again and go, oh, wow, this really, they really did come up with a way. Because I really, you know, I think you're right. I think there is a way you could, you could pull something crazy like that off. And they do not try. This is, this is, this is, this is Scream 101. The film really feels like they're trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And they keep coming up with new rules 
to put into the movie and you're essentially like guys screw the rules get it make a good movie that's all right. i really want and we really didn't get it i don't think it was quite as bad as three or maybe even two but it wasn't good it's, i think it's just a big disappointment frankly and, and we've talked about this um, I compare it to Austin Powers and Goldmember. The first 10 minutes of that movie were so great. Like, they front-loaded the best gag for the first 10 minutes of the movie, and I think they did the same thing here. The opening scene of the film... Absolutely. The, the, the pre-credits kill, or kills, however you yeah. want to look at it, yeah. was... I loved it. Uh, the scene with Kristen Bell and Adam and Paquin, I, I was dying laughing. It's wonderful. But after that, it just never get, get, quite gets up to that level again. Yeah, once we see the title, it, it's it's kind of same thing, same slash, same kill, same movie. Yeah, Hayden Panettiere was just kind of annoying through the whole film. <laughs> um, Emma Roberts, I think it was interesting seeing her take on a different kind of role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still not that impressed with her, to tell you the truth. I liked yeah. her. I, I still, I don't think she's top to work in Nancy Drew, but I'm the only one who's seen that film. In fact, I think I am literally the only one on the planet who saw that film. But um, no, I, I like I like Emma Roberts. I think she's very appealing. But I, I, for me, like I was more impressed with uh, Anthony Anderson in this movie because he was yeah. so subdued. Absolutely. He could be so obnoxious, but I really liked that he was kind of playing it quietly. And I think he's got one of the best exit lines in the film. Speaking of obnoxious, weren't you hoping someone was gonna die? <laughs> it couldn't be someone with the last name Cox or anything. Um, <sighs> Yeah, I think she was. I, I think Courtney Cox's character of Gail Weathers really kind of, really personifies the whole film. Over the hill doesn't have it oh, anymore. No, hell. no, no. Her character. I'm not her talking character. about. I'm not All talking right. about her as an actress. Okay. I'm talking about her character. No, I'm not going to be mean like that. Because, okay, yeah, over the hill, tired, whiny. Yes. I would yes, agree with you. yes. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Rehashing, giving you the one line that you can see coming a mile away at the end of the movie. Um, I only have one word for you. I'm like, well, there's only one word it's gonna be, <laughs> unless yeah. you're uh, unless you're the guy who is. There's a guy from a, who, a blind movie critic who reviewed Scream Four on YouTube, and he's like, I have no idea what happened in the last 20 minutes of that movie. <laughs> it was oh, it, it was a huge disappointment. Yeah. Uh, did you see Rio? Yes, I did. Okay. Do you want to talk about the other film first? Or? I'll talk about it briefly. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not great, but it's very cute. It's so okay. adorable. I had a hard time resisting it. Here's the thing about it that I mentioned on the Wild One Five spot, and I certainly put in my Maui time review. I, I was I just kind of sat there amazed, and I hate to even like take this tone for what is you know for a kitty review, but this is a movie about a macaw who basically has <laughs> to go to Rio de Janeiro in order to to mate, to have sex, in order to save his species. That's the story. That's the plot. And oh shucks, he has to hook up with Anne Hathaway. Right. So it's like I had a hard time like rooting for this guy. Like, well, I'd love to have to like, you know, fly to Rio de Janeiro and hang out with my buddies and oh, by the way, mate with Anne Hathaway in order to save my race. Um my species rather. I, I it, it's um it's kind of like one of the Madagascar sequels. It's so overloaded with with uh, up to the minute gags and irreverent jokes and you know and fist bumps. Hey, look at us, we're cool. Yeah, exactly. We're so we're so 2011. It uh, you know we're not it, 2000 and late. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. It's just it it it's gonna date itself in about three years. We're gonna look at this and be like, oh, fist bumps. That's so stupid. Why do they have the birds do fist bumps? That's so dumb. And you got Will I Am as one of the main characters. And look, Will I Am is an awesome rapper. I love Will I Am. He's not an actor. He doesn't he doesn't belong in this movie. And Jamie Foxx is wasted as like this this hip hop Tweety Bird role. I mean, really really a bad choice. Hip hop right Tweety Bird. If okay. you see the the character, you'll know exactly what I mean. Um, and then there's Tracy Morgan, who once again proves that on TV he is sensationally funny, but in the movies he cannot squeeze a laugh out of any scene. 
Um, but then you have the leads. The, the the title character named Blue is played by Jesse Eisenberg, who's hilarious. It's a really funny casting choice, and you know, it's certainly it's funny that he he sounds so much like you know like the character he just played. But I mean, it's more of that kind of that zombie land. Uh, heroic nerd character that he played um, and he's really enjoyable and then of course Anne Hathaway is just a pleasure to listen to no matter what every member of the cast including Eisenberg sings on the soundtrack and they're pretty good the sound the, interesting the songs okay. Are fun. okay there's actually a song that's a parody of the kiss the girl song from the little mermaid it's a really fun scene nice yeah so that's a really good sequence and the scene where inevitably the whole thing is that Rio is terrified of flying the moment in the movie where he has to fly it's like the moment where he has to buck up and just fly it's a really wonderful sequence um but beyond that it's I don't want to say it's a bad film or disposable because it's not, but it's just it's not essential for me. It really is like one of the Madagascar sequels. If it's adorable, kids will certainly enjoy it. Um, but for adults, this is this isn't even a distant cousin to Pixar. It's it's not that smart. This is the Blue Sky people. That, of course, they did the first Ice Age, which I loved, and uh, the second Ice Age, which I didn't love. And I think it's <laughs> it's kind of like between those two movies where it's, okay. you could feel it almost. It's almost great. So many times it comes close, but it's it just doesn't get there. Okay. Do we want to talk about the film that we liked a lot better we than Scream Four? We should because I think like the contrast between the two, I think, is really telling about where horror movies are going and where they could go. You know, it's just really a sad state of affairs when Insidious's $1 million budget did so much more than Scream 4 did with its $40 million budget. Um, this is such a good movie. Especially when you look at Insidious and go, wow, that's a million dollars. They made so much of that. And you look at Scream 4, like, really? $40 million? Where, where did the money go? I mean, it obviously went to the cast and the directors. I mean, it didn't go into the movie. No. It's pretty no. standard slash-a-thon. And I know, okay, so here, here's, here's my geek moment of shame for the week. I have not seen Poltergeist. But I hear that it, it it bites pretty liberally from the pacing and the story and everything from Poltergeist. However, having not seen the film, I think it was a, a fine movie. It was it was a good old fashioned scare the crap out of you kind of movie. Poltergeist is one of my favorite horror films, and so I mean I don't say this lightly. Even though Insidious does borrow from the Poltergeist playbook, I loved Insidious. I really did, and I didn't. Um, people who are really against Insidious think, oh, it's so overrated and we didn't like this film. I mean, I know they they tend to really pick on it with the Poltergeist connection. And for me, it's, I don't know, I, I, I don't think... I don't think it's so distracting that they, the, the the blatant steals from it because, I mean, it, it is kind of just a... For me, it's a, like a homage to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, frankly, I think this movie would play fine as a double feature with Poltergeist because Polter, Poltergeist is terrifying the way I think this film is terrifying. It absolutely... It uses... It's one of the few films that I've seen. I mentioned this on our Wild 105 spot. It helps... It's the same way that I loved the Don't Be Afraid of the Dark trailer in that it used the surrounds in the theater to such wonderful effect to just creep you the hell out. This movie sparked my my, my horror film Tourette's several times. And I know it's mostly under my breath, but you heard a couple of them, and I saw you giggling like crazy. You have to understand, listeners, you know, I'm, I'm a tall guy, but Dave is considerably taller than I am. And if you didn't know Dave, you would think he was a bouncer or a boxer. He's a very imposing guy. And, and, and I mean that in a big complimentary way. Dave looks like a guy who would win in every bar fight. So to sit next to my friend yesterday and watch him <laughs> squirm in his seat and... And, and, and jump a couple times. And, and, ju- and drop all sorts of, all sorts of uh, profanities under, under his breath... My 
remind you under his breath. Um, I didn't want to offend that old couple in the theater. And I appreciate that. And you didn't offend anybody, but I, I couldn't help but crack up. And I understand it sounds so sadistic to just sit there and watch it like that. But you've already seen it once. I just seen it a few days ago, and I was excited to see it again. Dave called me, and we had never had the chance to go to a matinee together. So so I thought, yeah, why not? And uh, I got to say, it was a kick to see this movie <laughs> scare the living crap out of you. And and you know what? And I'll be honest, it scared me too. There are, there are moments that... Uh, Scared me even more the second time, even though though I knew they were coming, which yeah. I think says a lot about well, this movie. I, one thing I really enjoy about the film is, yes, there are those jump scares who are like, ah! But there are also some scenes like that opening scene where you see the reflection in the mirror is all I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's creepy. You see it there and you're like, do I see that? Do I see that? And then it zooms in right in on it. And it just lets the creep factor just really kick in on you. Yeah. And this film really takes its time with its scares. Yes, in, in other films, like, you know, I Know What You Did Last Summer, I hated the fact that the only reason the movie had any kind of kick was because it had three jump scares in the entire movie. Right. <laughs> this movie earns its 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 scares. Yeah. It really does. I think in ways that I haven't seen since uh, The Ring that by Vor- Gore Verbinski. Um, I know some people will say Drag Me to Hell even, which I wasn't a big fan of, but... Which, but, but I will admit that film did have some really effective scary moments. I think this is the, in that caliber. I think it's it's such a stronger movie in terms of the performances, the, particularly the screenplay. Um, a lot of critics don't like the ending of this movie. I, I think really? the ending is where the, 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 the scares come abundantly. Um, I think Absolutely. it gets scarier the more it goes. And you saw me, you heard me saying, you dumbass, what are you doing? <laughs> That's when you know a horror movie is doing its right, job. Right, yeah. You know, like, don't go in there don't go in the closet yeah whenever you have that moment with the movie and you know there was only about what nine people in the theater yesterday but no it, yeah. it, it was it was clearly working for everybody in there there was a couple uh, guys who sat behind us they were kind of making snarky remarks before the movie started when it was over you could hear that it, it, it had really shaken them up about think, ten minutes into the movie it was silent in that theater yeah dead silent yeah. Yeah, and speaking of which, I mean, I think we should mention, uh, you know, this is James Wan who did the first Saw movie, which Dave and I both detest. I, hate that I think movie. it's a yeah. trash movie myself. But but Dead Silence, the film that he did as kind of a break. I know he said that that film was compromised with studio cuts, um, and maybe that is the case because I think Dead Silence is a near great movie. Well, I think this is the movie he was going for. I think this is this is this is it, folks. This is the real deal. The first great American horror movie in a long, long time. Absolutely. And getting back to the quick comparison of other films. I really don't think it fits with Drag Me to Hell. It fits with The Ring more just because Drag Me to Hell had a lot more jokes in it. Sure. And this movie has almost none. I'm trying to think there might be like Pseudo one moment. Pseudo comic relief with those two Ghostbuster guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was pretty faces. underplayed, which yeah. is good. It, well, it was it was just subtle, and then stuff starts happening. You're like, oh, hey, oh, there it is. Okay. I love Lynn Shay as the as the exorcist or the medium, oh, whatever you want to call so it. Oh, so good. Yeah. I love the, the scene. I mean, the part of the movie, I think, you know, even though it's not even a scary scene, but I think the part of the movie that probably stayed with me is where she's describing what she's seeing to that. Oh, that's yeah, a great, and he's just sketching like yeah, mad. Yeah, and the camera angle looking down at her. That's that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah, it's such a good film. I recommend, just, if you like a good horror movie, a good creep fest, you need to see this movie, I think. It's just a well-directed movie. I think filmmakers can learn a lot from this example. I mean, you know, and I I know I'm talking about James Wan, who did the, the first Saw, but I think he really made a little, uh, maybe a minor classic or maybe just an overall classic, but I think this is, it's going to be tough to beat this film in terms of horror films for the rest of the year. Absolutely. If you're going to see it, See it in a theater with a good surround sound system or see it at someone's house with a good surround sound system. Or see it at the drive-in like I did, which was a lot of fun because then you got the you sound. You heard people screaming all over the place. I heard people screaming and, you know, plus you got the sound drowning into your car and you could control the sound levels, but no question. I mean, it's some of that stuff is kind of unsettling to hear from the backseat of your car. You know? <laughs> so I'll just put it that way. Oh, that's awesome. That's classic. Yeah. Um, so we're going to 
be skipping uh, video home video releases this week just because this is kind of a last minute thing. But there is one thing, one one bit of news that we need to bring up. Um, just passing away today would be the wonderful Elizabeth Sladen. She played Sarah Jane in uh, the classic Doctor Who, and she also came back with the David Tennant Doctor Who with K9 and everything, and the BBC actually even spun her off into her own show. Um, I only know her from the new Doctor Who stuff, but she was always a pleasure to see on screen because she's so full of life and just really, you know, just like really embodies like the Doctor's just zest for everything and discovery and she wanted to do a show for kids, which is why Sergey and Adventures came out. It's definitely more kid-friendly and educational, and she's definitely going to be missed. She passed away from cancer at the age of 63, so mm-hmm. she was pretty stinking young, yeah, too. Yeah, very, very young pup. Well, God bless her. This is a, this is a shame. And to talk about like a sci-fi icon. After a weekend of considering all these sci-fi, sci-fi icons who affected us, and this is definitely one of them. So, Yes, so um, she will be missed greatly by all of the, the Whovians, or, or however you want to call those fans. Um <laughs> But speaking of sci-fi, we're, yeah, that's right, kids. We're, we're skipping the ad this week even. We're going to just jump right into what we saw at Starfest and what we did. and It was an action-packed weekend. Yes, it was. Uh, why, why don't you start off talking about what you did some, because I think you did a little more than I did, but we both did quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, I, I had my horror panel on, was it Saturday afternoon? Yeah, Saturday uh, afternoon. Yeah, and I had uh, with me, let's see, Sean McKenzie, a wonderful young man who has a site called uh, Entertain Your Brain, an old friend of ours, and then uh, Christian Toto, another friend to the site. He's done a number of things for Screen Geeks we love, and he's got a great site just called What Would Toto Watch? Definitely worth checking out. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, let's see. And then David Boog, um, gentleman who came in, who was a former screenwriter and filmmaker, who uh, kind of showed up surprisingly, but also uh, had a lot to weigh in on the subject. The subject of the matter, we paid a tribute to the late Denver film critic Reggie McDaniel, um, told a lot of fun stories about him, and, and kind of reminisced about what we remembered about him and the films that he loved. And the panel became specifically about horror films of, of recent and past year, and and films that we loved that, that came out right now. Um, like I was telling Dave, I mean, for me, the most memorable part, uh, just because it was it was such a nice, nice surprise and a nice contrast. Um, we were talking about all these recent horror films and whatnot, and, and inevitably uh, somebody brought up Let Me In, and I got incensed because, you know, if you listen to the show, you know I can stand the remake of Let the Right One In. And uh, Sean from Entertain Your Brain loves that film. In fact, he prefers it over Let the Right One In, and I basically let him have it, um, you know, which is which is one thing if it's Ethan, because, you know, Ethan's got a thick skin, and he could he could dish it as well. Well, and you guys have the relationship built to do exactly. it. Exactly. I've never had that kind of debate with Sean in front of people before, you know, so, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't, don't get me wrong, I mean, I, it's like it is in the show. I mean, total respect, but, you know, I, I, I totally dug into him. I didn't call him an idiot or anything, but I just categorically explained why I think he's completely wrong about the film. And when when I was done talking, I could feel like, oh, that was this isn't like a debate. I should have I should have rethought. I, I didn't need to be so tough on him. Well, a few minutes later, uh, we moved on. You know, no big deal. And the conversation is still bouncing between all the critics and the audience with questions and comments. And it's going really well. It's a great room, and we had a full room, which was amazing. And then. Let's see. And then uh, Christian Toto and I mentioned Insidious, and we're both crazy about the film, and we're talking about how we think it's one of our favorite horror films in a long time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Sean McKenzie speaks up and goes, It's Poltergeist! (laughs) And then he spends two minutes categorically explaining how Insidious is a complete ripoff of Poltergeist. (laughs) He he compares (laughs) characters and scenes and everything, themes, everything you think of, even dialogue. And Christian Toto and I just like, yeah, 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 you're right. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was so proud of Sean. Not only did I completely deserve and have it coming, but I mean, he more than held his own with, with all the critics in the room, and uh, and and clearly, I mean, like everybody in the in the in the room just loved it. It was a lot of fun. So that that ended up being a really great panel. 
Right on. Cool. And then you got an interview that we're going to be posting up here soon. Yeah, it was fun. I got to interview uh, Jeffrey Combs, and I, like I told you before, the interview was pretty weird. Uh, one of the one of the f- most bizarre conversations uh, to have with Jeffrey Combs. He was he was, a, he was a wonderful and versatile actor, but very kind of an offbeat guy. Kind of like absolutely the, kind of like the horror answer to Christopher Walken, kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I mean that with a lot of respect. I love Jeffrey Combs and I love his work, but you know he's, he's kind of an unusual dude. You know, um, before the interview, he was he uh, we introduced ourselves. He asked where I was from and i said i'm from you know hawaii originally but i mean i'm colorado springs and and he's like oh i'm going to hawaii next month i asked where he said he was going to maui and i said well that's where i'm from that's fantastic and and he's like well where do you recommend i go to i guess he'd never been there before and i was telling him about this place called iao valley and he goes iao um iao 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 you see it's like i-a-o i-a-o wouldn't it be e-a-o no i-a-o iao 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 this weird conversation (laughs) Went on for about two or three minutes, and you know, while the while the tech guys were setting up, you know, uh, Jeffrey Combs and are going e ow e ow i a o e ow every vowel syllable e ow. So anyway, like by the time the interview started, it was just kind of surreal. I don't even know how to pronounce it after a while. Um, but no, it was a really great interview. It was a lot of fun, and he uh, he uh, definitely bounced off uh, bounced off the the questions I threw at him. And before the day was over, sure enough, I, I gave him my card and I wrote on the back Eau Valley. I spelt I spelt it off phonetically, so he knows where to go when he's on Hawaii. But uh, yeah, super cool guy. Very cool. Right on. Oh, and then you just spent a lot of time walking around and hanging out and checking stuff out. I did. I did. And I got to meet our super fan, Mark Smith. I'll just call him super fans, Mark Smith, because he's been <laughs> listening to us for so long. But no, so, no question. He's a terrific person. I mean, I, like if, if, he, if he never even listened to the show, I'd still think it was really awesome. I Exactly. You know, I uh, yeah, it was really cool. And I really feel like I, I made a new friend at the, the fest. He was just so great. And I... Uh, I was so, so, you know, like, I, I know that he had listened to us, but I never realized he was, like, such a longtime fan. So that really took me off guard. Like, God, you've been listening to us all these years? That's amazing. I don't I don't even listen to us. I listen to, like, old episodes. <laughs> I don't know about you, but, like, I never listen to new shows. I never go back. I go back to, like, 2006. I love to go, ha-ha, listen how much we wanted to see Watchmen. But, you know, I don't, I don't like, listen to stuff we did, like, <laughs> last week, you know? So I, I really appreciated that. But, uh, but no, no question. I mean, despite all that, he's just a terrific guy, and I got to walk around with him and Lydia and uh, the John net ninjas as I refer to them yes. they are truly the, the dynamic duo of those two um, as well as Chris who is uh, who I think the only person who dwarfs even you Dave oh yeah well yeah 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 there's only one person there who's taller than him probably and he was one of the guests so that's right yeah <laughs> And and we had the, the wonderful Billy Flynn from Geek Radio That's, Daily of there. Of course, Billy Flynn. How the heck can I forget Billy Flynn? I yes. don't know, dude. But, but I know, I know. Yeah. Billy Flynn, like, you know, he's the kind of like the ubiquitous, all-knowing, all-seeing sage that is Billy Flynn. He'll forgive you someday. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> he was great. No, he was so funny. I mean, you could, you could always count on Billy. Like, if, if we were the Goonies, he's the Corey Feldman. He's always cracking jokes. You know, it's like an, an endless stream of jokes coming from him. He is the mouth of, of our Goonies. There you go. Okay. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I wonder how he's going to react to that one. Um, I was on staff again this year, and even though I gave stuff up, I was busier than ever. Uh, just ask anyone who spent any amount of time mm-hmm. with me how often my phone rang. Yeah. But I did get to do some fun stuff. On Friday night, we I ended up hosting a screening of Battle Royale, which was marketed kind of and kind of wasn't. But the people who were there really, I would think there were only two of us in the room who had seen it. And it was a very rewarding experience for everyone else, I think. Um, just giving them the context and everything. We had a really interesting discussion after the film. And it's just such a good movie. It really is. And let's see what else I do. On Saturday, I got to uh, interview the one and only Mr. Mark Shepard from Firefly, Leverage, Supernatural, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Stargate, Atlantis. I mean, you name the shows. The 40 other shows. Yeah. Yes. 
had a great chat with the man. Um, I got to meet him earlier in the day, and what really impressed me about him was I was in his autograph line to get Steph's Firefly set signed. And the line was moving kind of slow. Like, what the heck? And then I get a chance to look up there, and he's spending a couple minutes talking to every single person who wanted to get his autograph. And it's, it's opposed to some people saying, all right, give me your ticket so I can get my money. I'm going to sign something. Thanks. Goodbye. He really made a point of trying to connect with every single fan he talked to, which I really made me respect the man, even though I love the man's work as it is. He's just a cool cat. Uh, Steph got to catch his Q&A and said he was hilarious. And I'm trying to think what else we did. Did the interview with him, which was outstanding. That will be getting posted up right around the same time this episode does. Uh, so will the Jeffrey Combs interview. And... Let's see, I got to wander over to Comic Fest a little bit. Uh, I met up also with Elizabeth Rapp from Film.com and Chud.com and had a great time just BSing with her. She's just, we need to get her on the podcast more often. That's all I know. But the great thing was, as you said, Superfan Mark Smith came out. And it was a blast getting in a room with that guy. I was worried that I was going to be so busy that he was going to be bored to tears. But he just hung out with everyone, had a great old time. We were talking on the way back to the airport, and I'm really glad you came out, sir. I hope you get to come out again next year. Yeah. Had a hell of a good time. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of a blur and a flash, but <laughs> yeah. it was a good time. Uh, there were a couple interviews we wanted to get didn't quite work out, but that's okay. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a good year overall. It was a very good year, yeah. Yeah, no, I think we made the most of the time, and uh, they actually expanded the dealer room a little bit, which is, which is kind of amazing. I, I got ink on Blu-ray for eight bucks. That made me happy. That's amazing for Blu-ray, eight bucks. Wow. <laughs> Let alone the autographed Jim and Whitehead's edition. It was glorious. I found a table where I found an out-of-print magazine called Imagine Films. It was a offspring, offspring of one of my favorite magazines called Cinefantastic, and mm-hmm. it was an issue that I've always wanted to see because I remember reading about it. It was like the, the first issue. I think this magazine only lasts like three issues, but it was the front cover with needful things in the cover and I always wanted this special issue and I could never find it and it never came to Hawaii when I was a kid and there it was and it was for uh, for sale for 25 bucks and the last day it was like it was marked down so significantly I, had, I wound up buying it for $4. Nice! So, yay! Did you buy any bootlegs this year, sir? I did not. Bootleg table was, was kind of slim pickings. It was all TV shows but almost no movies. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. so I was really disappointed because I even asked him, like, you got Terror in the Isles? You got The Keep? And nope, nope, nothing. I've got the one movie I've been high, having my eye on for Steph for the past three years. <laughs> this is amazing, listeners. I've Wait finally to hear picked this. up, I, actually, I, where have I got, oh, the cases were by the, the basement door. Uh, I picked up Archie to Riverdale and back. That's right, the NBC TV movie about Archie and the gang. We're watching it tonight. I expect it to be completely awful. But it's like, I, I can't find that anywhere. Even hitting the special antenna websites, this thing isn't out there. So, you know, it was worth the cash, I think. Hmm. If you ever have a chance. The Holy this, Grail. This is a fun Have you seen it? No. Okay. No, you I just, never saw You it. just always wanted to see yeah, it. Yeah, and Steph's a huge Archie fan. So. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So it's kind of the completionist thing. So You know, you know, I, I grew up in Riverdale, New Jersey, right? No. Yeah, yeah. That's where I lived until I was nine years old. I went to Riverdale Elementary School. Wow. Yeah, so I missed out on going to Riverdale High. I wasn't one of those cool Riverdale High schoolers like Archie and Jughead. But, <laughs> but yeah, I did uh, I did read Archie comics because, you know, you had to do that when you live in Riverdale, New Jersey. But, um, yeah, there I got to say, Riverdale, New Jersey in the 80s, nothing like the Archie comics of the 80s, by <laughs> I the can way. imagine. I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah. So um, I guess that's about our Starfish wrap-up for right now. Um, it was – we were just – I was way busy to not getting to do quite as much as I wanted to, but – Huge shout-outs to the guys over at Janja. Um, John as well as Chris and Steve. Uh, the Mr. Flynn, Chris from Twisted Geeks, Elizabeth Rapp, Lydia, like everyone, the Starfest crew, had a great time. Can't wait for next year. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about what's hitting the theaters this week. It's weird that we're recording on a Tuesday. It's a little odd. Because <laughs> we're kind of in that in-between between the two. But We are in-between. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, the further. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> nice. As opposed to the other side. Well, let's see. This Friday, you've got the new film for Francis Lawrence, uh, the director of Constantine, his first film since. It's called Water for Elephants, based on the best-selling novel. It stars Academy Award-winning actress Reese Witherspoon, Academy Award-winning actor Christoph Waltz, and Robert Pattinson. Oh. Hmm. I wonder if there's one aspect of the movie that's not going to work. <laughs> At least one. At least one, yeah. Because so. did you see Constantine? <laughs> eh, well, you know, I, I think visual. I don't think the problem with that movie was, were the visuals. I think no, the visuals were Reeves. Reeves. It, it was the miscast lead actor, yes. Because it should have been Daniel Craig. And just like this movie sounds like, his new one sounds like there's a miscast lead actor in it too, so... I don't. Taylor Lautner's got a movie coming up too. He does. He does. But the problem, I mean, the problem with this is that the Pattinson character is the. I mean, it, it is the lead role for this film. So I mean, if he if he has an acting bone in him, this is the movie where he's got to let that acting bone show. But you know, after Remember Me and Little Ashes, I'm expecting this to be the third in the trilogy of terrible non-vampire Robert Pattinson films. Nice. So oh, well, well, we'll see. I will see this film because I do. Um, I have my aunt Val loves this book. She says it's a magnificent book. She's been telling me to read it for years. Of course, I never had because I'm such a bad nephew. And then, uh, you know, I'll see anything with Reese Witherspoon. I love her. Um, and it's a, it's an interesting subject matter, but um, he's in it. You don't a have that, that, that high of, of expectations? Uh, very cautious expectations because it is being released right before the summer movie season. This tends to be when the studio goes, let's just let's just put it in theaters. Maybe people won't notice. So I'm expecting if it's if it's terrible, it's going to be a one-week wonder and gone. If it's great, it'll be a nice surprise. It'll play, you know, It'll be a two-week wonder and gone. Well, you know, like, I, I got to give these movies a chance because, I mean, you know, I always mention this, but, like, I mean, Mean Girls was an April 29th movie, too. Yeah. You know, and I thought that film was going to suck, and plus it was opening up against Envy with Ben Stiller. So I'm like, well, of course, that's a terrible weekend. Mean Girls can't be any good, and then lo and behold. <laughs> yeah, so, yep. you never know. Very true. Very so true. Water for Elephants is opening, and then let's see, the other one, the new Disney, the current Earth Day Disney film is, I think it's called African Cats. Yeah. Which are not doing a preview screening episode, who knows? They are not, no, no. I, I think I they've just figured, like, why? Why bother, really? <laughs> well, I, I get to see the first two uh, uh, early, so I was kind of surprised they didn't have a screening for this one, but what the heck? I'm sure, I'm sure it's fine. A lot of, lot of cats. Yeah, there you go. A lot there of big... From Africa. Big kittens that could tear your head off. Yippee! Fun yeah. times. I don't know. Yeah. So, obviously, we're not going to be recording this weekend. Um, we're going to be taking another break for the Easter weekend, and we'll be back the next week talking about the controversial Disney classic, Song of the South. Should be a fun episode. Um, but until then, this has just been a brief one. That's right, kids. We're out before two hours. Woohoo! <laughs> this is Dave. This is Barry. Take it easy. Take it easy.